Well, good evening. It's good to see each one of you back tonight. Let's stand, please, and turn to page number 329. Page number 329. He's a wonderful Savior to me. We'll sing all four verses as we begin our service together this evening. Page 329. I was lost in sin, but Jesus rescued me. He's a wonderful Savior to me. I was bound by fear, but Jesus set me free. He's a wonderful Savior to me. For He's a wonderful Savior to me. He's a wonderful Savior to me. I was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. He's a wonderful Savior to me. He's a friend so true, so patient and so kind. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Everything I need in Him I always find. He's a wonderful Savior to me. For He's a wonderful Savior to me. He's a wonderful Savior to me. I was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. He's a wonderful Savior to me. He is always near to comfort and to cheer. He's a wonderful Savior to me. He forgives my sins, He dries my every tear, He's a wonderful Savior to me. For He's a wonderful Savior to me, He's a wonderful Savior to me. I was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. He's a wonderful Savior to me. He grows the love of Jesus day by day. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Sweeter is His grace while pressing on my way. He's a wonderful Savior to me. For He's a wonderful wonderful Savior to me. I was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Amen. Well, he's a, if he's a wonderful Savior to you, say amen tonight. Praise the Lord. Aren't you thankful that he took you in tonight? Amen. Well, it is good to be in the Lord's house again tonight and looking forward to what the Lord has for us. I'm going to ask Brother Gary Waters, would you open us in prayer tonight, please? Amen. You may be seated tonight. <clears throat> Is anyone else struggling with allergies going around right now? Oh, hands everywhere. I'm telling you. And then you take your allergy medication and it dries you all out. 
got that cotton mouth going on. So if I start talking like this, you'll understand what's going on. Um, but anyway, at least I'm not alone in that. Amen. So I uh, did want to leave a few reminders with you again tonight um, as we begin our service. Uh, don't forget that we have um, softball and kickball games this week, uh, this Friday night at the school over here from 6 to 8 o'clock. And then also, again, we have those games on the 29th. And those are starting at 5 o'clock in the evening, not 6 o'clock. So make sure 6 o'clock this Friday, but uh, on the 29th, it'll be at 5 o'clock in the evening. So keep that in mind. On the 30th, uh, we have our churchwide outreach. All right, so plan to be here 1030 in the morning and we'll go out and canvas some neighborhoods and visit some shut-ins and visitors and all that kind of stuff and be a testimony and witness to our community. Amen. So make sure that you're here 1030 in the morning on October the 30th on that Saturday. I'm sorry, September the 30th on that Saturday. I'm doing Brother Quinlan did this morning um, on uh, September the 30th. Uh, at 10.30 a.m. Don't forget, men, that we leave for the recharge at noon on the 22nd of September. So make sure you're here, ready to go a little bit early there before noon on the 22nd, and we'll come back on the 23rd. And all those that are going, uh, your reservations have been made, and everything is set up for that. Uh, Also, don't forget that our church uh, fall revival is going to be October the 8th through the 13th. And we're looking looking forward to having Brother Dean Herring with us Uh, to preach that week. And I know that's going to be a real blessing to you. You're going to really enjoy that week. So plan to be here for every single service during revival. Amen. And um, also on that Sunday, the 8th, uh, the Assurance Trio is going to be with us that Sunday morning and uh, maybe even Sunday evening, depending on their schedule. Uh, We're going to line out those details, but for sure in the morning. So we're looking forward to that. So be here uh, for that as well. And then don't forget during that week of revival, um, school is half days that week, all right? So if you have kids in the school, just know that we're going to dismiss at noon every day that week uh, so that our staff and uh, we, we can kind of get a rest before the evening and then also so we can get the buildings ready to go for each evening as well. So keep that in mind as we uh, go forward and through the month of September and into October. And there'll be a lot more things coming in October. We've got the harvest party that's coming up at the end of the month and different things like that. So just be watching the calendars, all right, and being to everything you can be too. Let's go to page 599. Page number 599. Just a little talk with Jesus makes everything right. Amen. Let's sing it out together. On the first verse, page 599. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. And then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above. And just a little talk with Jesus made me whole. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry, and he will answer by and by. Now when you feel a little prayer will turn in, and you know a little fire is burning, you will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Let's stop for a second. Now, men, you've got a great part here. All right? This doesn't happen very often belt it out tonight, all right? Men, just let her go tonight, all right? On that second verse, sometimes my path seems drear. Sing it out. Sometimes my path seems drear without a ray of cheer. And then a cloud of doubt may hide the light of day. 
The mists of sin may rise and hide the starry skies, but just a little talk with Jesus clears the way. Here you go, man. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. Hear our faintest cry. Answer by and by. Feel a little prayer will turn in. Know a little fire is burning. Find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. I'm going to let you men sing that part. I'm not singing it with you, so belt it out. Here we go, verse number three. I may have doubts and fears. My eyes be filled with tears. But Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. I go to him in prayer. He knows my every care. And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. Hear our faintest cry. Answer by and by. Feel a little prayer will turn in. Though a little fire is burning. Find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Well, amen. That was great. Men, you sounded great. Good job tonight. I'm thankful we can go to our God in prayer. Amen. And he answers our prayers. It has been a good day in the Lord's house. So thankful for all he's blessed us with. Now we get a chance to give back to him. Amen. And ask Brother Micah Quinlan, would you pray for the offering tonight, please? Amen. I'm thankful that I know that I'm saved, amen? And uh, if you know you're saved, you have a mansion waiting for you one day. Not a shack, a mansion, amen? Let's all stand together, page 649. Page 649, a mansion over the hilltop, all three verses for our last song together tonight, page 649. Sing it out on the first. I'm satisfied with just a cottage me. A little silver and a little gold, but in that city where the ransom will shine, I want a gold one that silver.
often tempted, tormented and tested, and like the prophet, my pillow a stone. And though I find here no permanent dwelling, I know He'll give me a mansion. say amen tonight. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. If you know the Lord is your Savior, you'll be walking on streets of gold one day. Amen. Well, just before Brother Copes comes to preach again tonight, um, we are going to have Mrs. Watson come and sing. Hasn't it been a good day in the Lord's house? And uh, so thankful for the time we are able to spend with the Copes today. And I told my wife, I said, maybe this is bad on my part. I've never spent that much time with Brother Copes before. Um, but it was a joy. We totally enjoyed the afternoon and ate some Mexican food and and uh, had a good time of fellowship, and I'm looking forward to what the Lord has tonight. All right, just before that, Mrs. Watson's going to sing. burdens get so heavy and it seems I'm all alone I cast my care on Jesus and come boldly to his throne I find his grace sufficient when his promises I heed for his very life he and he lives to intercede He is the Lord of lords And when he speaks Winds and waves obey When Jesus whispers Peace be still Darkness turns to light and day And as I'm trusting in My Savior's word Doubts and fears all 
for souls in darkness, Calvary's love with them to share. Empowered by His Spirit, I will follow anywhere, for I know whatever befall me, my Lord is in control. And as my mind is stayed on him, perfect peace he gives my soul. He is the Lord of lords, and when he speaks, winds and waves obey. When Jesus whispers, peace be still, then darkness turns to day. And as I'm trusting in my Savior's word, doubts and fears all cease. And beneath the shelter of his wings, I'm at rest in perfect peace. And as I'm trusting in my Savior's word, doubts and fears all cease and beneath the shelter of his wings i'm at rest in perfect peace thank you mrs watson well, it's a real treat to be back here tonight, and um, we enjoyed the fellowship as well. Of course, we always enjoy Mexican food, let's just face it. <laughs> and uh, the reason he's never spent a lot of time with me is because he was never in trouble. He was one of those good preacher kids. We, we get them every once in a while. <laughs> no, it was good, and, and I'm, I'm so thankful to Brother West for allowing me to come today when a preacher's out of the pulpit, and uh, that, that's a high honor for sure, to be able to come preach. We've tried to do it several times since he's been here. We've, he's contacted me several times and just never has worked on the calendar, but I'm so glad that it was and disappointed that he's not here, but um, Lord willing, we'll get to meet you all again as well. Um, just at the end of church, if I can take a little bit of liberty, I'd like to get a group picture of all those that are here that um, went to Heartland. And I'll give you a picture. So don't sneak out on me or I'll do something crazy, okay? So uh, if, you, if you went to Heartland, I want to get a group picture of you and your kiddos and all that. And so thankful for that. And I thank you for your church uh, prayer support and financial support at Heartland. Um, we had a big increase in enrollment. We finished last fall with 389 students. And we started this semester with 406 so real thankful for that, and uh, we've got about 17 more guys. Usually we run 50% girls, 50% guys, and this year we had 17 more guys. And so I told the girls the first day of classes, I said, you're going to have a good year possibly. <laughs> I told them their probability would just went up a little bit. And, uh, and so thank you for, for that. And, and I'm very, very thankful to be here, really am. Um, I've got some allergy stuff going on too, so I've got some medicine in me, and so I'm only going to take responsibility for 50% of what I say tonight, so you're just going to have to kind of work through that. Uh, the, the title of this message is kind of two-folded. It, it comes out of a friend of mine calling, a preacher friend of mine calling during the COVID pandemic. He called me, and my last name is Copes, 
And he called me and says, well, Copes, how are you coping with the COVID? And uh, I said, well, and I just kind of vented, you know, and he was venting too. And so we were just two guys venting on the phone about COVID and the pandemic. But it brought me really to, to come to realization just um, about how do you cope with the COVID? And of course, we're, we're, we're through the COVID, we think, we think, you know, you just, it depends on what news channel you listen to. But um, I'm now at a place that how do we cope or deal with all the woke within the society? And when society is just changing things um, at will and whatever makes people feel good, how do, you, how, do you, how do we as a church deal with that? What's our response to that? Not politically, but biblically. So with that in mind, I'm going to invite your attention to, to Titus. And um, really, real thankful, honestly, the, the testimony of this church um, is, is long. It's always been known uh, since I became accustomed to this, aware of this church back in 2000 with Brother Davison coming here and preaching many meetings. Um, just a good, long-standing uh, conservative church with a lot of good people. And uh, you know, you've sent some good students to Heartland our way, and uh, we're thankful for it. And, uh, you know, just being here today, I realize there's a bunch of Quinlans all over this place. <laughs> Man, they're all over. And, uh, and that's okay. And, uh, and so we're very, very thankful. And then um, to have the stewards here to really to build upon the foundation. Uh, Brother Watson is just a tremendous and good to see Madison again. And, of course, after she graduated, we were able to actually reduce our security staff by half when she left. <laughs> You know how she is. We were just we were able to security department just really dropped right away. I'm teasing, Madison. I, I feel terrible about that. I really do. I'm over it, but I did feel bad about it. Titus chapter two. I want to invite your attention to chapter one. That's not where we're going to preach this morning, this evening. But just look at verse four. This is now Paul writing to Titus. This is, this is a letter from an older preacher to a younger preacher. This is not written to us, but this is preserved without any mistakes all these years for our learning. This is in the New Testament, and this is a New Testament independent Baptist church, and that's why these, these are so important to us. It's written to a young preacher, and it's written to give him some help on how to set some things in place of a church just like this. It wasn't Olathe, but it was in Crete. Crete was a real wicked place. Whatever they wanted to do, whatever brought them physical pleasure, the people in Crete did it openly, publicly, in the streets, anywhere, anything you can imagine they were doing. Verse 4, chapter 1. To Titus... Mine own son, after the common faith, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And then he says this, For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. All the way now, basically verse 6, 7, 8, and 9, Paul is teaching Titus how to really to set up some things for that elder, that bishop, position within the church, that leadership position. So he's giving him the qualifications right there in that section. And that's what we call setting things in order because 
we, our God is, is an orderly God, amen? And the church is to be an orderly thing. And there's some instructions just right here for that young preacher. And this is for us to look at. In verses 10, really through verses 16, he's talking about false teachers. And he says this, There are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they are not, for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. Paul is saying you've got some false teachers within even the churches within the Crete. There was false teachers back then, and we have false teachers right now. And the witness, in verse 13, this witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and their conscience is defiled. They, being the false teachers, profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine." So he's, he's teaching, telling Titus, you're going to have to teach sound doctrine to take care of this false teaching problem. This evening, as that's just, all of that is just the backdrop to where I want to be in chapter 2. This evening, I really do, I, I, I have a heart's desire, uh, not as a pastor, but as a former pastor, as a guest preacher, to help everybody in here. And man, you've got a great spread of the ages here. Uh, your young men, uh, just because they were just here before us taking the offering, you have some sharp-looking young men here. I commend you for that. And I don't think that's by accident. And you have some sharp young ladies as well, but those young men were just here taking the offering, and they're, they're in my mind. And then you have some, really some good spread of, of, of people here. I mean, down at the men's Bible study, I could see it, and, uh, and see Miss Watson up here singing this evening. You have that. You have that. And I want to minister to each and every one of you. I don't want to leave here tonight just targeting just one group. And in chapter 2, I want you to draw your attention to this. Because I really have a desire to help everybody. Look at verse 2. That the aged men. Well, there's one of our groups. You might say, what's an aged man? Well, he's an old guy. He's an old guy. How old is he? Well, I'm just going to say 40 and up. I mean, that just makes sense. I'm, I'm 60. I'm thinking, I'm an old geezer now. Aged men. Look at verse 3. The aged women. I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Uh-uh. I'm not even going to come close to that. Are you crazy? No way. I'm not going to say one thing. Yeah. Look at verse 4. That they may teach the young women. There's a third group. Look at verse 6. Young men. Young and old, male and female, are all mentioned right here in this letter to the New Testament church there in Crete. Referencing, how do you live in a society like Crete where anything goes? You can do anything you want in Crete and you can be anybody you want to be in Crete. How's the church 
the aged, and the young, the male and female, how are we to handle ourselves in a time like that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'd ask that you would remove all distractions from our own minds here this evening. May we not wander out into our thoughts as to what is ahead of us tomorrow at work. Lord, I'd ask that you remove all distractions so that we could concentrate on what you would have to say to each and every one of us. And Lord, would you tonight, would you just as, an, as individuals, would we be able to invite you right now before you even tell us whatever it is you're going to tell us this evening, Lord, we want to recognize this. We want to be obedient. Even before we hear what you would have to say to us, dear God, we want to recognize that whatever it is, it will be good if it's from you. Lord, may we be willing to obey before we even hear your instructions. Help us tonight to be clear. Show us exactly what we need to consider May we all make application individually. May we all leave this building completely responsive to your spirit. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. So we have the aged men, the aged women, and the young men and the young women. Let's go back to chapter 2 again, the beginning of it. But speak thou, speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, Grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good and obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed, Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, and doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. And then he goes to a fifth group, exhorting servants, employees. Remember, this letter is written to the brethren. So now he's going to talk about those of you in the house of God that are employees. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things. Meaning this, you're going to have to be a good worker. But there's a lot of good workers in various workplaces that aren't believers. I mean, there's a lot of good hardworking men that I've had my shoulder to shoulder with day after day at the workplace. But then he says this, not answering again. I think that sets it apart. You know what that means? It means that we are not to be those that talk back to our boss. We should be good workers, just like everybody else should be good. It should be your hard work for your decent pay, and you should not be that person that answers back to your boss. You shouldn't talk back to your boss. Where'd you get that? Right there out of that verse. I'm going to go back now, back up to verse 2, a little bit of reanalysis of the verses here. I want you to to see something here. We've got the aged men in verse 2. Does everybody see that? Amen? Amen. Verse 3, we have the aged women. Verse 4, we have the young women. Verse 6, we have the young men. 
Go back up to verse 2 again. Let the aged men be, what's that next word? Sober. Go to verse 4. It talks about the aged women. Likewise, that they might be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers. Now go down to verse 4. That they may teach the young women to be what? Sober. Look at verse 6. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. I mean, you have all these various categories here, these four categories, which really covers the whole congregation here this evening. And we find that we are to teach one another to be grave. The aged men are to teach the younger men to be grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. And the, young, the aged women are to, to teach the, the younger women to, to become holiness, not false accusers, not given much to wine, teachers of good things that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands in lives, to love their husbands, to, to lo- love their own children. But if you can see it, there's a common thread between all of those categories. All of us are to be teaching the generation behind us to be sober-minded. It's throughout the whole course of this, this whole discourse right here that no matter what you're going to teach them, all of us should be teaching the younger generation one thing in common, to live life soberly. Now the fact is that we just sometimes think of the word sober just means, well, that just means you're not intoxicated. That's such a surface level meaning to that word. But to be sober means this, to live a life not based upon mere passions and emotions. To live a life not based upon mere passions and emotions. It is to live a life in a temperate way, with purpose and seriousness. So the aged men are to teach the younger men to live a life of seriousness, with purpose, temperance. Not to live a life where it's just wild and crazy and fun all the time. The older men are to teach the younger men all the time, all that's just listed here, but they are to teach them to be sober-minded. To even have a church testimony that is a sober-minded church. The young men of this church are going to learn how to, if I can say it, to do church by you older men. They're going to learn how to be faithful or they're going to learn how to be unfaithful. They're going to learn how to worship God or how not to worship God. They're going to learn how to pray or they're going to learn not how to pray. They're going to learn something from the older generation. And they are, to look, they are to look and learn to be sober-minded. Seriousness. Not living with passions and emotions like they did in Crete. Like they do in the United States of America. Where anything goes. The old men are to teach the younger men. The older men. I, 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 I don't know what I can do. I'm, I'm an old geezer now. I say that as a joke. Because I'm nearly there. Yeah, I've learned this. After we had five widow ladies at the church, that's what we started when I started pastoring there. We got a couple of older guys that came in. You know, I quickly learned, I wrote this list down. Those older men, you know what they knew how to do? Those old guys knew how to pray. I can remember the first time I had one of the older men just say, Pastor, I, I'd like to pray with you. And I just said, okay. Man, they knew how to pray. I knew this, they knew how to, they knew how to teach the Word of God, too. Maybe they didn't have a Bible degree behind their name, but well, those old boys knew how to teach the Bible. They knew how to visit. I can remember going into some hospital visits, and I can remember going in and, and seeing someone very ill, and, and there I was, a young 34-year-old pastor, trying to minister to the person in the hospital, and there's the old man, and he, and he just, I remember, he, he took the, the person's hand, and, 
you know, just like a, an older person would, and just started petting the hand of the one in the hospital bed. Older men just know how to minister. They know how to fix things. I was bivocational, and I didn't have much time, and those older men, they just fixed things around the church. They knew how to do it. They knew how to mentor the younger men. But here's what I realized quickly into my pastorate. Those older men knew how to back their preacher. Amen. Yeah. As a young preacher back then, I really needed that. You older men ought to back your preacher. That's right. And I don't say that thinking you don't, but I'd say that to remind you that's one way that you can teach the younger generation how to do what? Back their preacher. Amen. Yeah. There's a lot of churches around this country that have a pastor for maybe a few years and then he's gone and you, there's just a turnover. You know why sometimes the pastor isn't backed by the older men? Yeah. The younger generation is learning how to do church like you do it. If you want this church to have services like you had today, 20 years from now, it's going to take some investment on your part now. Because 20 years ago, somebody in this church wanted this church to have a service just like we're having it today. It just doesn't happen. It takes work and effort, and it takes the modeling of it. You're going to have the type of invitations that you have today. You'll have that in a few years because you're investing. You're showing the young people how to respond or how not to respond to the Spirit of God. You're showing the young people how to bend a knee or how not to bend a knee. You're showing the spirit of, you're showing the young people everything that you can think of. Even just being faithful tonight, I commend you on that. You're showing them. Young people, to see Miss Watson up here, you know what she's showing you? How to serve God to the end. This morning when I reacquainted Miss Watson, she said she's still teaching. She says, I'm going to do it as long as I can. Not bragging, just saying, that's very easy for her. It's a thought. It's a way of life. I'm confident this church doesn't want the young ladies of this church to learn how to be a good wife and a good, a good mama from Hollywood or from the Internet. Where are they going to learn it? From you ladies. They're going to learn everything from from dress to personality, the way you raise your children, the way you approach worship, the way you approach even coming into church, the way you approach relationships. May the young ladies see that the older ladies here know what is exactly what it is to be in a relationship with a husband and to be a helpmeet. This, this world today will not teach the young ladies on how to be submissive or be helpmeet at all. They won't learn that anywhere. They won't learn that in the public school system. No, they won't. You young men, you'd be hard workers. You should pillow your head physically exhausted. Physically exhausted. And that will help your thought pattern late at night when you're physically exhausted. The aged are to teach the younger. It's plain and clear. Can I say it this way? There's no sign of retirement when it comes to serving God in this passage. You might say, I I can't do what I used to be able to do. But you can pray. 
You could pray that whoever is in this pulpit gets lit on fire by the Spirit of God. You can pray that there'll be unity in this church. You can pray that souls can be saved. You can pray that souls will be saved during an invitation. Isn't it wonderful when a a lost sinner steps out of the aisle and gets saved at church? It's just just awesome. In reality, this is much like what we face here today. False teachers, people living in Crete, just doing whatever they want. How do we combat it? By living and teaching sound doctrine in a sober way. We are to live soberly. But how do you do that? How do you, how do, you do that to live a life soberly? Well, let's just go a few more verses to verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. Verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live, what's that next word? Soberly. Righteously and godly in this, what? Present world. Present world. That's why this is here for us. We are to live this life soberly in this present world. How do you do that? What's the nut and bolt we can put together? Verse 13, looking for that blessed hope, (laughs) the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. We are to look to the return of Jesus Christ. While we're living soberly. We are to live soberly by soberly practicing sound doctrine in our lives. We are to live soberly by practicing sound doctrines. Men and women, old and young, the body here, the body needs to assemble regardless of what pandemic or situation we're in. The body is to assemble, and the body is to assemble not just to have fun, the body is to assemble to get work done. And when things assemble, things get accomplished. And when the body of Christ assemble, God's work can get done by us working together and assembling together to live soberly. Let's stop getting mad at the, belie- the unbeliever. Let's stop getting mad at their message. But let's give them the right message by living soberly, guided by sound doctrine. All of us, young and old, somebody's watching you. Even within this church body, somebody, uh, the, the young men that took the offering, there's younger boys that are looking at you. From everything, from your dress to your demeanor to how you approach everything. They're looking at you. You are leading somebody in something. And how do we do it? We've got to look to the second coming of Jesus Christ, which could be any day now. Amen? That's not good enough. That's just, this, is a, this is a Baptist church. I mean, this is a big-time Baptist preacher's button. If you really believe that Jesus Christ could come back any day now, on the count of three, shout amen. One, two, three. Amen. That's very good. I like a hallelujah every once in a while. Good. 
So what you just said that you believe, we'll now call that your theology, your thinking about this, that Jesus could come back any time now. That's your, that's your thinking, that's your theology. You just amended it. So you just did. And oh, I just, I just kind of went along with the Baptist preachers, but okay, but in the illustration, you just said you believe Jesus could come back any day now. That's your theology, that's what your thinking is on the return of Christ. Now, if I did this, I said, how many of you would, would say that Jesus Christ could come back any day now and, and shout amen and raise your right hand? And so you do this, amen. I think all of you would do it. You would say, amen. That's kind of a little Baptist thing in a camp meeting. Amen. So if I asked you that, I'm sure all of you would say it. I'm being repetitive on purpose. You'd just shout, Amen. And then if I added something to it, and how many of you that would say amen would then say that your lifestyle matches your theology would lift up your left hand? So you'd say amen, my theology is, I believe he's coming back any day now. And then I'd say, does your lifestyle, the way you're living today, match your theology? Now here tonight at church on a Sunday night, I'm sure this is what it'd be like. Amen, Brother Copes. And amen, Brother Copes. But tomorrow's coming. Tomorrow's coming. We're not all go- we are not all going to be together as the body. You're going to be amongst a bunch of Christians doing whatever they like. Whatever makes them feel good. So there's a question here this evening. Does your theology match your lifestyle? Really, be honest. Be honest. If, it, if it's just your theology, then you're doing this. Kind of like a politician. I'm sorry, I hope we don't have any local politicians in the house today. But that's what it makes me think of. Just someone that's like a politician. But when I see this, you know what I think of? Universally, this is a symbol for what? Around the world, if someone does this, they are usually saying what? I surrender. If you haven't surrendered, this is what it's like. You just say you believe it, but you're not living it. And you know why you're having a hard time in this society? Because you're just thinking. And your thinking doesn't match your living. Does your theology match your lifestyle? You want to know how to live a life soberly and help those behind you? You got to be surrendered. To what? To what? The fact that he's coming. Any day, moment, now. Man, come, Lord, come. And then after we see him, don't forget this. There's going to be a time of reconciliation where the believers, that's us, will be basically presenting all that we've done for him. Just picture this moment. You'll be there with Christ and he'll look back over all of the way that you've come, over all that you've done for him, heaps and heaps of things you've done for him. And he's going to look back over it. Jesus, the Son of God, the discerning one, will look at all that you've done and he'll discern what you did for him 
and what you did not do for him. What you did for men's applause. I'm not preaching against applause, but if that's why you do things, then you just got your reward. But Jesus is going to be able to look back and he's going to look and say, all that you, you did, but you did it with the wrong purpose in mind. You wanted to bring glory to yourself. You wanted people to think something about you. I can't accept that. Jesus is just going to burn that. And then he's going to look and he's going to discern. Maybe it'll be something like this. He'll see maybe, maybe a time that you gave a track to a friend. Maybe the time you gave the track to the friend and, and you just tried to even quote some of the scriptures and you, and you just blew it. You just, you just got shaky. You got nervous. You messed up a couple of verses and you even kind of just, oh. And the person never got saved and you probably just look back and say, oh, I don't even want to remember that incident. I was so embarrassed I didn't remember all the verses. But then Jesus, you got to remember, he was watching. And he knew that your heart was pure. You just wanted that friend to get saved. You wanted that friend to come to know him as your Savior. You wanted that friend to know Jesus. And you were pure. You weren't doing it so they could do something for you. You were just doing it to tell somebody about Jesus. And Jesus is going to look at that and he's going to say, you remember that situation? You thought you failed then, didn't you? He's going to say, oh, no, no. You didn't fail. I was watching you. I knew your heart. Then he's going to say, now let me, let me reward you for that. That little thing. But you had a pure heart. Every time I preach this message, I find myself just really refocusing on why I'm doing things. More than likely, we have a similarity between us. We're doing a lot of things in church life. We do a lot, don't we? Anybody here busy serving God? The focus would be tonight. But why? Because one day, You've got to answer that question. Why do you do what you do? And the only thing that's going to be acceptable is that you do it for the glory of Jesus Christ. It's not for your preacher. It's not for your mom and dad. It's for the glory of God. And if we all could tonight, can you imagine the difference we could make if all of us would just refocus a little bit more on this. He's coming soon. And we better make sure that what we think about it matches the way we're living. Does your lifestyle match your theology? Let's live soberly by practicing sound doctrine. Stand your heads bowed. If those are going to help us